nestled on the western edge of Port Phillip Bay, an hour and a half's drive from the deadly intrigues of Melbourne, lies Gateway City, the hub of the region. G-Town. The last four decades, an uneasy peace has existed between the Anarchs and Camarilla in G-Town. Their borders meeting on Bruce Street in the very centre of the city, the two sects divide the domain neatly in two. The native Anarchs, consolidated in the industrial north, have learned to tolerate Prince Aveline and her Camarilla invaders, and she in turn grants all Anarchs the right to hunt and conduct business in her waterfront domain. Anarch rabble-rousers and Camarilla traditionalists each afford their counterparts reluctant respect. Until now. Word from Melbourne has reached the kindred of G-Town. Prince Squizzy wages a war on three fronts against a newly reorganised Anarch faction, Sabat Infiltrators and the Onslaught of the Second Inquisition. As refugees from both sects flood into Gateway to escape the oncoming chaos, local tensions flare, and the truce that has maintained peace since 1983 will be pushed to its limits. Welcome to Lords of G-Town, a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat Podcast. With music by Kevin McLeod, White Bat Audio, Ivan Duch, and Jaxius Music. Now, as the sun sets on the city and the blood stirs, let's see what horrors the kindred face this night. Welcome back, everyone, to Lords of G-Town. June 2021. Winter is here. It feels as if Cowie's Bay will freeze over at any moment. That never happens here in Australia, of course, but it doesn't stop it from feeling like it's a distinct possibility. The ocean breeze is bitterly cold, even for vampires, and feeding becomes ever so slightly harder as the mortals keep to their homes during the night, cowering in the warmth rather than braving the harsh winter. We've got a new member in our coterie as of this session. Please go ahead and introduce yourself, Ember. Uh, hello, I am Ember. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Who are you going to play in this game? Uh, I'm going to be playing, I'm going to be playing Cat. Yeah. And An actual real life cat. Yeah. Yeah, we can't embrace Mitch with a cat. Yeah. Can't embrace <laughs> animals, but a ghoul cat just the same, no. That mm -hmm. seems to fit. Envisioning one of those Maniki Nekos now with the arms kind of... Boom, 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 boom. 
And Cat is about to experience the most horrific moment of her life. Cat. In an instant, the creature lunges at you. It's supernatural speed crushing you against the cold, unforgiving brick wall. The pain is immediate as sharp, talon-like fingers dig into your flesh, holding you in a vice-like grip. The metallic scent of your own blood mingles with the putrid stench of decay, assaulting your senses. With a grotesque reveal, the vampire's fangs descend upon your neck, and a strangled scream is torn from your lips. Terror surges through your body, an excruciating paralyzing grip accompanied by a fire that burns with an intensity beyond comprehension your world narrows to this searing pain this intense crushing horror drowning out all else the vampire drinks voraciously and you feel the very essence of life being sucked from your veins. Each pool feels like a rending of your soul, a sickening intimacy as your vitality is mercilessly drained away. Your vision blurs, your heart's frantic rhythm echoing in your ears, and you teeter on the precipice of oblivion. And yet, amid the unbearable torment, a twisted sensation rises within you, a perverse cocktail of fear, pleasure, and hunger. It's a dance of suffering and seduction, an otherworldly tango with the fiendish entity that is your captor. Your thoughts fragment, your very identity splintering as your life's blood is sucked away. Cat, you awaken with a start, disoriented and groggy. The world around you is a murky blur of shadows and muffled sounds. Your senses slowly return, and as you push through the haze of your consciousness, you realise you're lying in a cramped, foul-smelling space. There's barely enough room for your body to be splayed out. Panic begins to set in as the images rush through your brain. You realise how you got here. What are your thoughts? Um. Uh, um <laughs> I uh, that was uh. Maybe should have skipped that uh that last beer. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The last thing you remember is stepping out for a smoke break, working the grave night shift at O'Tolly's. You stepped out into the alleyway to light a cigarette and just escape from the night rush for five minutes and then she stepped into the alleyway and that smile on her face that look in her eye with a gut-wrenching sensation you realize that you feel an insatiable hunger gnawing at your core hunger unlike anything you've ever experienced. It's as if your very essence craves something you can't quite define. And as you try to define it, the stench of decay assaults your nostrils. As your eyes adjust to the dim light, you begin to make out your surroundings. You're inside 
the dumpster. The dumpster at the back of her tollies. The very same dumpster you were about to fling your finished cigarette into. Piled high with a grotesque mountain of corpses thrown in on top of you, bloated, lifeless forms, their glassy eyes staring into eternity, staring at you. What do you do, Cat? Um, I'm panicking now. <laughs> I want out of here immediately. <laughs> yeah. So you start to scramble, and... You feel trapped. You surge upwards and scramble to climb out of the dumpster, but there's not just one body in here. There's not just two. There's three or four or more. They've been thrown in on top of you as if as if someone's tried to bury you in them. And I'd like you to make your first roll, Cap, of the campaign. I'd like you to go ahead and make for me a strength plus athletics roll. And how you're going to do that so you're going to just count up a number of d10s equal to both your strength and your athletics and roll them. And every six or above counts as a success. I've run um, through the bot real quick. Ah, uh, don't bother yep. with hunger this time. Yeah, don't bother with yep. hunger this time. We will okay. get to that momentarily. Uh, I got a success. Success? Yeah. You muster strength from somewhere. You're not a big girl by any means, Cat, and yet somehow, whether it's a mix of desperation and fear or something else, you feel this strength surge through your body and you stand up, flinging a corpse off you, letting it roll out of the dumpster onto the asphalt below. As you clamber out of the dumpster, you feel uneasy on your feet. It takes a few moments for you to adjust, for you to feel comfortable in your body. You're certain you shouldn't be alive. How could you be alive after what you've just experienced? And yet, here you are. The staff entrance of the Otollies is open, the metal door creaking as it blows in the wind. The lights inside beyond the threshold are off and something registers in your nostrils, in your nose. Something metallic, rusty and unexplainably sweet. The smell of fresh blood. And then a voice in the back of your head rumbles. Go towards it, yes, go. We must take it, we must drink deep. We must revel in what we have become. What do you do, Cat? I'm gonna start making my way, um back to my uh, former employer yeah it's obvious something's wrong the lights are off at this time of night everything should still be in operation you creep towards the door push it open the rest of the way and step in to the staff break room and 
step into the scene of a nightmare. At first, you struggle to see anything in the pitch blackness. It takes a few moments for the ambient moonlight and the haze from the street lights outside to filter in to illuminate the room just enough that your eyes are able to adjust. The tiles are caked with blood. The walls, too. Torn pieces of fabric across the floor. Shreds of something leathery. Something skin-coloured. Something horrible has happened here. And as you take in the sight of it... As you feel that sense of dread beginning to well up, that voice in your head grows more and more insistent. They've left this out for you, left you a welcoming gift. Be grateful, be grateful, and take it. And I would ask you, please, Cat, to go ahead and make for me a wits plus awareness check. And for this one, I'd like you to substitute a number of dice equal to your hunger. And having just awakened, freshly embraced, your hunger will be four. Ooh, okay. Alright, uh... It's a success roll. How many successes did you get altogether? Um, the number in brackets. One. One. That's that's yep. enough. Your senses aren't fully there. It's like you're underwater, like you're in a dream. And yet somehow you hear it coming from down the hallway, down past the kitchen towards the manager's office. The sound of somebody whimpering, somebody <laughs> hyperventilating, obviously terrified. One of your co-workers, perhaps, someone who somehow, through some miracle, managed to survive the horrors that unfolded here. You should really check if they're okay, but then, then that voice speaks up. <sighs> Someone is still alive. Someone's waiting for you. How interesting this shall be. Yeah, you just start yourself. Hunger for. It's time to eat a Snickers, I think. Maybe. <laughs> so do you head towards the voice, cat? Towards the whimpering, towards the hyperventilating? Uh... I'm gonna head towards it. I'm, I'm real hungry. Real hungry. That hunger you can't define. You push through the chaos in the break room, begin making your way down the hallway, and then you come to the manager's office. The door is partially ajar, and as you approach it, you can hear the person on the other side there, breathing, growing louder. <laughs> All you need do is push the door open, call out to them. 
and yet something within you tells you that you should be turning and running as far as you can in the opposite direction that if you push that door open your life will change forever something you'll never be able to take back what do you do? I'm standing at the door I'm going to start pushing it open I, I it's my feet feel frozen in place but I'm gonna start working my way through that door if someone's still alive you you have to help them you have to find out what happened here how how you miraculously survived and that voice in your head compels you onwards open the door they're in there waiting for you and the door creaks open you immediately see them cowering under the desk it's the new guy eddie his long thin metal head mosh pit hair flayed messy around his face The look on his face, one of absolute terror. He's perhaps no older than 16, 17, and he's seen things that no grown adult should ever have to witness. And as he sees you step into the room, his eyes light up in recognition. He sees you, he raises a hand towards you. Cat! Cat, that, that, that's you, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's me. You're okay. I, uh, I thought, I thought I was the only one. I, I, I don't, she came through, she, she came through, she, she left something, something in the kitchen and then all hell broke loose. Someone grabbed a knife and, oh God. God, we have to call the cops, but I left I left my phone in the locker room. <laughs> as he talks, as he crawls towards you, crawls towards what he sees as his saviour. That insatiable hunger wells up once again, and you peer down at him, and you can see his blood vessels. You can see his veins pulsating under his skin, dancing as if they're alive. And something takes hold. I would like you to tell me. You have a choice here, cat. The voice in your head compels you to take him, take him, and take all within him. Satisfy the hunger, but you know deep down that something isn't right, that what you're doing is wrong, terrible, monstrous. And so I'll give you a choice. You may give in. Give in to the hunger, do as the voice says, or desperately desperately try to fight against it. I... I want to run. I want to, to run 
be as far away from this place as possible. I... It's... That decision doesn't come easily, but... I... <laughs> yeah, you're making... Well, I think most people would agree that that is a sane decision in the circumstances, and yet... As you turn away, as you go to leave, step back through the doorway, he whimpers your name once again. That hunger wells up, and it's going to fight you. And I would like you to make a resolve plus composure roll for me. And you will add your hunger dice to this one as well, replacing four of your normal dice. Uh, uh, resolve composure two of your attributes they'll both be okay um okay two of my attributes uh yeah, up towards the top of your sheet. Yeah, yeah. Under your attributes, there'll be oh. resolve plus oh, composure. Sometimes a role isn't necessarily an attribute plus a skill. It can be two attributes right. or even sometimes two skills. Okay, yeah. I was looking at the wrong place. All right, thank you. Uh, okay, yeah, I got a success. Um, success? Yes. What are we looking at in terms of numbers? We are looking at... Ah, oh, let me check. I've, I just forgot I have access to the channel too. Yeah. <laughs> three Looks successes. Like three. And two of them on the hunger dice. Mm. Your hunger is four. So I'm going to say the difficulty of this check is four. Meaning you fall one short. But that's okay. That's okay. Because you're about to experience what every vampire experiences on their first night. The thing that well and truly tells them that they're no longer human, that they have become a monster. He whimpers your name once more and it falls upon deaf ears. You're almost out the door, inches away from freedom. And then that thing inside you, that beast, takes hold. Your body begins to move of its own accord. You step towards him, open your mouth and feel for the first time your fangs slide out into place and you descend upon him. He struggles, he screams and then he lets out a whimper of ecstasy as your fangs sink into his neck. And oh, it is sweet. It is the sweetest thing you've ever tasted in your life. It is better than any drug, better than the best sex you've ever had. It is the most intoxicating thing. Is blood pouring down your throat. You lose yourself in it. The voice in your head purrs in contentment. And then you pull yourself away 
the hunger satisfied. You may reduce your hunger to zero. And as you pull yourself away, you see Eddie lying at your feet, his skin deathly pale, his eyes glassy, staring into space, his mouth frozen in an O of ecstasy and terror. He's gone. He's gone and you took him. How do you feel, Cat? I... I don't know how to feel. Pretty apt. What have you become? We'll leave your preludes there, Cat. Well done, by the way. Yeah, that was a great first scene. Well mm. done. Yeah, I'm really impressed. <laughs> This is way better than my first scene. <laughs> yep, same. <laughs> well done. I really, really felt you vibed with that. But we'll move on to the meat of the session. Don't worry, Cat. You'll be back very soon. Hmm. We pick up in the lobby of the Colonial Hotel, and I just realised... I have not posted the Owlbear link, so I'm just going to do that right now before we continue, because I think at the very least Kat might appreciate the map of a city she's totally unfamiliar with across the entire planet away from where she lives, so that might actually help. Uh, let me just get that. PTM, I'll just be a second, G-Town map, and here we go. I'm just going to post that in the Coterie huddle. Alright, so. We fade in on the lobby of the Colonial Hotel. Right there on Ballerine Road. Bayside G-Town. Right in the midst of Camarilla territory but the colonial hotel of course does not belong to the cam belongs to the hakata the coterie are assembled here standing on the plush red carpet in the shadows of the marbled pillars and the exquisitely carved objects to art marion has summoned the Coterie here, told them that Cross would like to see them, would like to give them a proper goodbye before it's turned over once again to its routine services for the Hecata. And Marion's pulled strings. She's managed to smuggle Cross out of the cramped archive room in the basement where it pours over old newspaper articles trying to find evidence of any raids that can be pressed into the Giovanni's surface. And as Tig and Wolf and Bouncer assemble in the lobby, they find Marion waiting for them leaning against a pillar in front of the reception desk. Cross standing beside her. And 
On her other side, of course, her dutiful companion at this point, Flick. The young Malkavian, perpetually a child. As she sees the coterie making their way across the lobby, her eyes light up and she rushes forwards. Uncle Tig! She calls out, holding out her hands, ready to embrace him. Hey there, Flick. Tig kneels down, picks her up, does the whole spinny thing. How you been then? You been behaving? She peers over at Marion. Only Marion doesn't let me out. All I do, all I do is colouring, colouring books. She doesn't even let me hunt. And all I want to do is visit your farm with the doggies and the animals. Oh, well, we can maybe work out a visit. It's not so hot. Definitely. Well, now we it... can take you to the farm sometimes, sweetheart. But right now it's a little tricky for you. You're in a spot where you've got a lot to learn. And till then, sometimes you got to stay inside even if you don't want to. Marion hasn't even been teaching me anything about vampires, she says, pouting. She's been too busy with that old guy. Oh, now. Oh, now. You've got to look after your elders, because if you don't, you will, eh? Here's over at Wolf looks him up and down, and then she screws up her face, folds her arms. I don't know who you are. You look creepy. I don't like you. Now, now, Stifles a laugh behind her back. Uh, Wolf thinks about the knife in his breast pocket, and then just leans up against the um, archway of the doorframe. Jesus. <laughs> he doesn't like kids! <laughs> <laughs> I don't like what? kids either, I don't murder them. <laughs> he didn't do anything, he didn't do a thing. That's Mr. Wolf, uh, he's a cleaner. He's not, he as fun as, he's not as fun as Val or Mitch. At least... How are we in, really? So don't you go making any messes, hear me? At least they didn't act like... Act like... A vampire out of one of those old movies. Who's been no. showing you those movies? Christopher Lee was aces in some of those old movies, it was. Nadine dropped them by, says Marion. Did she now? She said I have to start my my horror movie education. No child of hers will not get through life without knowing who, who, who Jason Voorhees is. Or Count I Orlok. Hmm. Oh, wait, I know that one. He's the one who sneaks into people's dreams and he's got the claw hand. Yeah. <laughs> Bouncer just smiles. She folds her arms together and she peers over at Cross's direction and she says... So, I hear Cross wants to, uh, well, part on somewhat more respectable terms this time. I mean, is that really up to me? Doesn't seem like it is, but looks like Marion's pulled strings. You get to see us one last time, so... 
Yeah. Bound. Yeah. Yep, go ahead. I... Uh, shit, I don't even know. What do you even do with these? Bouncer just smiles and she says, Well, look, uh, you're creepy, you're anal retentive, um, you're definitely not a conversationalist, but you've helped us out of some tough shit. And we appreciate that, don't we? She gestures towards Tig, she gestures towards Wolf. Yeah. I must admit, I didn't have all your expectations when I met you, but you have exceeded them in every way, you know? You're doing you guys, great, mate. You guys really Not... suck at praise. If you want smoke blown up your eyes... Excuse me. Take juggle covers flicks ears. Look, if you want smoke blown up your eyes, you come to the wrong person. But seriously, you saw as a prick, but once you're through, once you're through with them, you're going to do great on your own. And I'll look forward to seeing you out there, eh? Despite everything, Crofts gives Tig a, a genuine, like, nod. That's high praise from, from Crofts. Likewise, says Bouncer. I know the club's probably not your style, but if you ever want to let your hair down for a night, well, you know where to find me. And if they ever do let you out of this shitty hotel, then well, you have friends in the Anarchs. Thanks. Uh, so what now? Marion, it's time to get him back in, get, get Cross back inside, turn it over to its handlers. And then you've got some business of your own to attend to. If you'll come with me, Cross. Tell the rest of the coterie to wait. Your eye side eye flick. Tell her to not be any trouble for Uncle Tig, and that you'll be right back. And then you lead Cross past the reception counter, through the door on the other side, down the hallway, and into the bowels of the Hakata's domain. It's at this point, Wolf, that you feel a vibration from inside your coat. It's not your phone. In the last week or so, Sam has convinced you to wear a pager, of all things. She told you that a pager was more accommodating of her particular clan bane than a mobile phone and that she would use it only for one purpose to signal to you that she's nearby and has orders to give you sure enough when you pull it out of your coat there's a message on the screen that simply reads outside cafe two storefronts away yeah, Wolf peers down and squints at the screen. It's much smaller than he's used to. Um, and jams it back into his pocket. Um, as Cross goes past, he does a genuine moment of, like, respect for him. Would yeah, Cross so... see that? Yeah, no, Fake he's going to speak up. He's going to speak up. Sorry. Yeah, you've been an actual asset and, you know, keep it up. There aren't enough if you're around. 
Crest just sort of stops in its tracks and looks Wolf up and down and then unusually for it looks him in the eyes and there's like a like corner of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a mouth is lifted and then it turns and walks away right and with that Sam needs something from us yeah and so a few minutes later you're meeting up with Sam Wolf she's not quite in the cafe. She's sitting on a park bench out the front, uh, not even trying to look incognito. She's not holding a newspaper. She's not exactly drawing attention to herself, but it's unmistakably Sam sitting there on the frost-encoded park bench in front of a cafe that, in spite of the weather, quite welcoming looking quite warm and bouncing she sees you approach wolf and she motions for you to take a seat next to her samantha strange to see you outside wolf she says uh someone in the hotel told me that marion was calling the coterie for whatever reason and i figured well Maybe I'd borrow you for a few minutes. Pages paying dividends, although damn thing very nearly fucking blew up in my hands just sending the message, but you're here now, and that's what matters. You don't have to ask for my presence. You can just tell me where to be. Of course, she says, but, well, I'm expecting things to happen very soon that will cause members of the Coterie, perhaps even you, to question, well, I won't say loyalty, but question the many things that I've done for you. And so- That's ominous. Well, that's where you come in, she says. I read those files you pulled from the Pentex facility. The one that finger Andrea Church as being involved in all this. And it's very obvious to me she's going to make a move soon. I... She thinks for a moment and then she sighs. I don't think it's appropriate yet to tell you exactly what's going on. But I wanted to warn you that she's gearing up to do something and Wolf you're the only one I can trust right now to keep an eye on the coterie to make sure that no matter what happens they remember who took them under her wing who brought them up who gave them a place to call their own in this domain well you should know by now where my strengths lie. There's only so much I can do with what seems to be manipulation. That's not really what good I'm good at, but I'll do what I can in regards to my skill set. Good at cleaning. You're good at noticing things, and that's really all that I'm really all that I'm asking 
is that, well, when Andrea makes her move, you be there. You be ready to nip anything in the bud that might make the Coterie question things, might make them want to delve deeper, like Val did. Like Val did? Yes. Asked questions when she shouldn't have dug deeper than she was supposed to, and, well, for her own safety, for for the safety of, safety of the whole coterie, well, she had to be stopped, and it's something I greatly regret, and I want to make sure it doesn't happen again. Wolf, you're used to operating on your own, but I'm attaching you to the coterie, you're effectively Val's replacement. Use your skills to aid the Coterie, but remember that you're also working for me, and that you're ensuring that nothing tears this Coterie apart, that we've already lost Val, we've already lost Mitchell, it's become nothing but the toady of a Primogen. I want you to make sure that if anything poses a threat of endangering the bond that this coterie and I share, that you nip it in the bud right then and there. Understand? Understood. So you trust my judgement then? I trust your judgement. You've never done wrong by me. And... I've never done wrong by you. Remember what they did to your sire, Wolf. The Banu Hakim of this city think you're a mistake. They think you shouldn't exist. It's been I who's cherished you, who's given you work to do, who's fostered your abilities. And so I know you'll do the right thing. I'm well aware I have nowhere else to turn. She smiles. Good. Well, return to the others. I have a feeling tonight's going to be a long night. And you may as well get started early. There's been a lot of long nights recently. They're only going to get longer, she says. Oh, when you get a chance, she says. She hands you her own pager, and it's clear when she dumps it into your hands that it's no longer functioning. There are scorch marks around the back, around the battery compartment. Put this in the shop for me. Uh, get a new one. Doesn't matter what it is. Damn technology. Falls apart in my hands every time. Maybe next meet I'll have something a bit more foolproof for you. If that's all. I'm open to suggestions, she says. You have a good night, Wolf. Unceremoniously, um, Wolf stands up, dusts himself off, and uh, returns to the group. We, we move back to Marion. Marion, you've sent Cross on its way, and now you're in the boardroom, that same boardroom with the marbled walls and the long wooden table that you've met your sire and Chase so many times and 
They're seated across the table from you, and in between them is ah yes. Don't worry, cat. Don't worry. You're not you're not especially missing anything about your character. Don't worry. And seated between Chase and Verity Giovanni this night is your father, Mr. Dunson Senior. He's looking well. As well as you could be for someone who's dead. His skin's flushed with colour, just like when he was ghouled. He's seated upright, he's moving under his own power. As you enter the room and take your seat, he gives you a strange look. You register it as a kind of plea, Marion. A plea for what? You don't quite know. Not yet. As you take a seat, Verity smiles. Well, it's been about a week now, and I would say your father, come child, well, I'd say their education is complete. They've had impressed upon them the importance of family here, the importance of the Giovanni name, and above all what their obligations are. Isn't that right, Mr. Dunsern? Your father nods. All too well, he says through gritted teeth. Chase beams. So, uh, wanted to run this by you, but we were thinking, uh, thin blood and all, obviously we can't afford him, uh, full membership status in the family, but he's certainly worth more than a ghoul. We don't have to pay upkeep, and he's certainly more self-sufficient. We were going to uh, put him in charge of real estate. You know, look for old places that could be fixed up, might have a wraith hiding, hanging around that can be pressed into service. Then we fix it up, put it back on the market, uh, he's the middleman who makes sure it all goes smoothly. His business acumen certainly seems to still be sharp. What do you think, Marion? He's your child, after all. He's his own man. I don't know why you can't just ask him. <laughs> he's a thin blood, after all. An asset, a good asset, but an asset nonetheless. Very well. I'll take that as your, uh, as having your blessing to put him to work. Uh, Verity and I have no wish to be spending time checking in on a thin blood. So I ask, would it be acceptable for us to release him under your control? You be accountable for him. You make sure he fulfills his obligations to the family. And you be the middleman between us and everything beneath. Yes, yes, Chase. I'll, I'll take responsibility for his actions if you need me to, but I'm not going to be controlling him. And you can do whatever you wish, says Chase. And beside him, your sire, Verity, smiles. And she says, of course, uh, I've never been a believer in the heavy-handed style of being a sire, but sometimes it's necessary. Look, we trust you, Marion, is the important thing, and we trust that you'll ensure that your 
father becomes a valuable asset. We'll leave you to debrief with him. She rises from her seat, and as Chase does beside her, he peers at you, his eyes narrowing. He says, Remember, Marion Duncern. Bring her to us. I will embrace her myself. She shall become a 12th generation member of the family, and that... No, you mean, you mean, um... What's her name? Not Marion. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Elaine. I was very Dunsir. confused for a second yeah, there. I was sorry. like, uh, I think she's got. <laughs> yeah. Elaine Duncern shall become a twelfth-generation member of the family, equal in power to her husband, and an equalizer between us and any potential friction from the Anarchs. It's been a week, Marion. I expect results soon it'll be done good he smiles he motions for verity to follow him and the two step out of the room and as soon as they're gone your father gazes towards you his eyes seeming to pierce your very soul he frowns and he says they want me to be they want me to be a glorified bloody real estate agent me i was one of the wool barons in this town they want me to flip houses trust me i understand you wouldn't believe the things they made me do when i first joined but i can assure you it does pay off i never asked for this marion if i knew i was if i knew a second chance at life was contingent on a an eternity of servitude. He takes a moment to compose himself. I can't blame you, darling. You did... You did what was to be expected, I suppose. I'm just... It's as if they don't even know who I am. As if our name means nothing to them. I know. I'm working on that. But we do have... Plenty of time now. Plenty of time, he says. An eternity, yes. Flipping houses. Mm, trust me, I think you'll find before long that uh, you'll adjust to the new time scale and begin to plan accordingly. Maybe. Right now, right now, I'm still coming to terms with it all. I thought... I thought a second lease on life would be enough to get me back in the game. Get me being one of the heavy hitters in this city again. And, well, it's like I have to start in the bloody mail room. Well, for what it's worth, in the mortal realm, you can continue things, if perhaps from the shadows. Hmm. I suppose so. There's nothing lost, and only everything really gained. Well, they've given me this bloody address to check out tonight some decrepit old manor house on the outskirts of town meant to be haunted they want me to do a market appraisal see if i can't sweet talk the owners into dropping it for a modest sum so that we could fix it up so uh look marion i understand i'm being very petty and petulant 
and I'm not trying to say you did the wrong thing, but... Well, I'm not used to having to follow orders. It's an acquired taste. I know, it's it's an adjustment, but... Look, I'm glad to still have you around. I'll see to this house, then, he says. Don't worry, I can take care of myself. Your education proved adequate. I can hunt, I can get blood, whatever I need. I understand you've got some... Th you'll, you, I understand you'll probably have some business of your own to attend to. Uh, always. <laughs> I won't keep you, but if I need help, is it acceptable in this line of work to call in assistance? Mm, keep them in the dark about the obvious. He nods. Only when I really need you, then. He says as he rises from his chair. You can right. always, uh, you can always call me there. Do, um, do you feel uh, you can ask any questions, anytime? All right then, he says. Come on. He holds out his hand, just like old times. I'll walk you back to the lobby, back to your friends, and then I'll hit the books about this stupid bloody house. Have a good night, Daddy. About 20 minutes later, Marion returns to the others in the lobby. Flick comes running over. Honey, Marion! Hello, honey. Have you spoken to the grown-ups enough for tonight? I've spoken to them enough, yes. Are we gonna get to do something? What would you like to do, sweetheart? I want to go, I want to visit Tig's farm, and then, then I want to, I want to watch a movie in the cinema. In the cinema? Is there anything you'd like to watch? Do you know what's on? I want to watch that one about the haunted phone. Um, which one would like that be? She rattles off the name of a movie that you've never heard of before. It's called The Devil Calls Three Times. <laughs> Seems like the sort of schlock that Nadine's put in her head. Well, I'm not sure that one will be showing in any cinemas, but we can look at uh, what's available if you'd like. She says been a long time. The last movie I saw was the one with the cowboy with the pull string. <laughs> oh, that's it's only a baby. Indeed, that was quite a while ago, I believe. Let's take a look. And she pulls up the laptop and they, they spend some time searching through. Well, she pulls up the laptop and goes to Google what movies are showing. Suddenly, Tig... Your phone begins to ring, flooding the lobby in the standard default iPhone ringtone. You've recently oh. upgraded. Wallace forced uh, you to. Uh, hang on. Dig says and pulls it out, promptly turning it off. Oh, it stopped. It was going to message. 
You finally uh, made it. Let's see here. Maybe if I fuck, I think I just broke the cover. Bouncer rolls her eyes and holds out her hand. No, no way. It snaps back at all. It snaps back. What? Oh, um. Could you? It's misbehaving. Uh, these new things are all pieces of sh. Hmm. Sugar, yeah. He hands the f- iPhone over. Bouncer frowning takes a few seconds to turn it back on, and there's a voicemail there. She slides her finger across the screen, and suddenly a voice emanates from the phone. Is this. Is this. Uh, is this Tig Dunsern? I- I'm sorry, I've been trying to get in touch with Val, and she hasn't been answering her phone in quite some time. She told me I can contact Tig or Bouncer oh, yeah. if I needed to. We're speaking. Hang on. Let me put you on speaker. I assume Bouncer slaps his hand away before he can turn. Yeah. Bouncer slaps his hand away and then she glares and she says, It's a message, Tig. Not live. Oh. Right. Oh, I guess we should call her back in, eh? This is. This is. Ophelia. Remember the the ghoul, the one that Val brought on board. I, I spy on the Anarchs, pass information to the Cam. Uh, How look, right, the wolf's, eh? wolf's ears prick up that somebody is leaving this kind of information in a voicemail. Yeah, it's it's it's. <laughs> Val clearly did not school Ophelia on exactly what the protocol yeah, should be. Yeah, she's uh, Strudeldorf sex. Yeah, all right. Do you remember the the, the Otollies where where they held the rant? That there's meant to be another rant there tonight. I usually turn up a couple of hours beforehand to help get things ready, tell the staff they have to close early tonight, and I just showed up, the lights are off, the place is quiet, there's there's fucking there's fucking blood in the parking lot. Can can you just... Can you come check this out? Val said... Val said... Your coterie... Cleans things up, makes sure that there's... No tensions between the Anarchs and the Cam, and... I think something really bad has happened. Uh, Wolf strides over very quickly and snatches the phone oh. out of... Out of, um... <laughs> out of their hands. It- Alright, we're dealing with this now, and I'm dealing with that message. Careful, that's new, that is. Wolf also, glares bitingly at Tig. This is not she's... a moment to be questioning him. Also, also, uh, she's very clever not to go into the dark basement by herself. Would survive a horror movie, ten ten. Let's go save her. <laughs> yeah, Wolf, Wolf busies about grabbing the number for Ophelia and um, deleting the message, so he has a copy of the number. When he finally hands the phone back to Tig, the message and all traces of it have been deleted. Ophelia's no longer in the contacts, just in case. And Marian, go, Marion. Marion's obviously picked up, which they're about to uh, have to head off again. So uh, she's just saying quietly to Flick, like, I, I'm, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I, I'm going to have to go on a job again. But when I get back, I'm going to take you on a hunt. Would you like that? She nods. 
this sucks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna... She thinks for a moment, thinking of the most hurtful thing she could say in her childlike mind, and she says, I'm gonna let numbers shed hair all over your couch. Uh, Marion acts very wounded. She, she like, brings her hand to her chest, and she's like, Oh, Flick! Oh, you got a puppy. Well, that's nice. Maybe when you visit, you can bring numbers along. Like dogs. Like dogs, she says, but numbers. Numbers doesn't like dogs. They scare him, and when he gets scared, he. Well, maybe. Nadine said I shouldn't talk about that impolite company. That's no, so alright. Some dogs don't get on with other dogs. Alright, we. we be... I'm sorry, Flick, but we will watch a movie with you, and you can come and visit and pet the cows at another time. Play with Egg chocolate milk! If you're good, there might be chalky milk, maybe even an apple pie. Will she be able to drink chocolate milk? Well, if she rouses the blood. <laughs> like, we'll find out. Out. <laughs> if she knows how to blush, yeah. We'll find yeah. out. <laughs> In Marion's car on the way home. Replacing some carpets. <sighs> right. <And> so... Marion's <laughs> car, yeah, true. Uh, Marion. We can take Tig's one for that. We're going in Tanok turf, that limo's gonna be spotted my way. You can ride with me if you prefer. L limo? <laughs> I understand, but I, I need I need to know that you know that that's not a limousine. Look, it's a really posh car. I don't know what they've done these days with them Teslas and Edisons. It's just a Mercedes Benz. BMW, <laughs> <sighs> uh, but whatever. <laughs> very ceremoniously look, pulls track, out. I don't track them Chinese brands. Let's get going. Eh? Well, very ceremoniously brings out his keys and. Uh, wakes up his BMW. Yeah, the the it lights it's, turn on and this the rip rip comes from outside. It's Bouncer, an olive branch to Marion in case she doesn't want to take the truck. Bouncer looks over at Marion and says, "Feel free to take my place. I'm gonna hit the club. Uh, see if I can maybe head off some of the anarchs before they head down there." Although Marion might want to take a. Tig up on his offer as a conversation to be. Yes, there. she would do. Much to her chagrin, she would in fact be taking Tig's ride. And so you follow Wolf out of the lobby, leaving Flick sitting at one of the tables, a very petulant look on her face, arms crossed as the door slides shut behind her. Wolf, I presume you're taking your Mercedes Benz, of course. Uh, his BMW, yes. A BMW, it's yes. It's slightly like, less showy than a BMW. Slightly <laughs> less showy. You know, I'm sure there are some anarchs that drive BMWs. Wolf's already, one, Wolf's already in his car by the time you step through the door. The headlights turn on and the wheels crunch on the street as Wolf speeds off. Does it have a locked diff? Please tell me it has a welded diff. <laughs> no, it's not meant to get noticed. <laughs> it's black with, with heavy tinted windows. Well, the diff, got it. Tig leads Marion a little bit, little ways down the street to an outdoor parking garage, and as soon as you duck under the boom gate, you hear the telltale barking of his regular three dogs <laughs> chained in the tail, chained in the bed of the ute straining to get to you and Marion, you feel yourself shudder a little bit inside as Tig 
wrenches open the passenger side door and gestures for you to take a seat. The trash pile has actually been cleaned out a bit, though it's starting to grow again with a couple of Otali's bags. <laughs> How appropriate for where we're going. Yeah. And he tosses a few cold nuggets back to the dogs. <laughs> the nuggets are eviscerated before they even have a chance to hit the bed. Slide on in. Marion Do you just... fancy Journey or Queen? Oh, Journey, absolutely. Marion uh, Marion straightens her skirt such that it, it will be the only thing touching the uh, chair, not her tights. <laughs> the radio gets stuck as the engine roars to life. Don't stop! Don't stop! Don't stop! Don't stop! Oh, goodness, I forgot about this. Ah, <laughs> uh, hang on. Tig pulls out the 8-track tape, blows on it. Returns it to the console. Believe in. Is that an eight track? <laughs> you would not believe how much pain it is to keep that sucker running. Don't make them anymore. And then they do make other things, though. Yeah, but they're not as good. As the engine roars to life, and Marion, you feel jolted as if you're in a roller coaster cart cresting the first hill. <sighs> The ute screams out onto the streets. And I would like everyone, except for Kat, of course, as she's woken for the first time and she's already fed, to go ahead and roll your rouse checks and we'll see if you start this night any hungrier. Aktung, Wolf is up to four. Well, no, two. <laughs> you would have started oh, two. one. Never mind. Yeah. Okay, less Aktung. Still Aktung, though, perhaps, <laughs> considering what he's going to be dealing with. Tig succeeds. He had a bite on the way in. Marion does one. not get hungry yet. So two, two, and one. Lovely. Well, oh, Marion's at two, if that was the yeah, uh, order she, of things. Yeah. yeah, she was already oh. at two, and she didn't go up to I'm three, at, which is lucky. Yes. I'm at hunger one. Yeah. The BMW and the Ute scream through downtown G-Town, escaping into the northern industrialised suburbs, and as they turn onto Hamlin Road and make their way towards the Otollies, driving silently side by side through empty streets, through an urban wasteland... Marion, you think this is the time, perhaps, to broach the subject of Elaine? But it's Tig who speaks first, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Almost as the thought crosses your mind, he's like, So, uh, your dad, then? How's he getting what? on? Oh, he's, he's doing okay. I mean, you know, he's not exactly ecstatic about all the, uh, the, the fledgling nonsense but he's doing oh. fine thank you for asking yeah at least you at least he ain't into the camarilla it's <laughs> exactly i was rather yeah. concerned that might be the uh, way things went down sir i appreciate your help again uh with that by the way oh no no it's it's you're ma you're a mate now eh it's like oh, you're done right by us we do right by you it's a good working relationship it's can I ask you a personal question? Go on. Does he still love you? Oh, um, I think he does. I, I, I think okay. he does. 
You done eight you for what you done? I mean if he does, he's hiding it very well. He's a little annoyed. Alright, alright, yeah, that's understandable. I I I made I just I thought to tell him that, you know, he was he was complaining about the whole situation. He didn't seem too bothered about the nature of it all, but he did seem a little fussed about the particulars. And I, I, I just told him to, you know, to focus on all the opportunities gained and to accept that in time he will come to appreciate the new approach to life. Like the Monty Anaconda guys, ain't it? Always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> yes, the Anaconda. <laughs> Sorry, Ed. Sorry if I got a little personal. It's... Nah, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. It's, it's absolutely fine. I've had... I've had a lot of thoughts on my mind lately. Mm, go on. Well, I, I don't know how to chew your ear off. Uh... No, no, no. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all ears. As long as we're driving. Tig reaches out, blissfully turns down the stuttering sounds of Journey. Probably relief. It says, "It's you weren't around when we talked to them Sedites, and I, I pissed was, off yeah. the head snake something fierce, and she said that uh, one of her roles was to give consult to under kin other kindred and her con and she wanted as some as a favor for in exchange for a favor that she was going to do as she wanted me." to lose my mask because it was time for me to stop dropping connections to mortal society I of course see. she was a fucking snake and we uh, you know we found another way to get what we wanted but you know the best lies got a hint of truth in them right uh, they, t they tend to yes so, uh, where is this going I got someone I love that I've been keeping alive for a very long time uh, and she you don't mean Elaine, do you? Uh, yeah. I see. She loves me too, I'm sure. It's. I'm not sure how much of it is the bond. I'm not sure how much is what we used to have, still have. But the thing is, if something takes me out, and she she can't find a replacement, she's dust. If another vampire gets pissed off at me enough, everyone knows where I live. She's dead. If one of them yes. wants to get put pressure on me, they'll just grab her. I mean, I got stuff set up so that doesn't happen, but... You know, no matter how good you are, there's always somebody better, you know? I, I, I do know uh, all too well. I guess I'm just... No, no, I, I understand. But then I look at Barry, fucking Barry and his family, and he... He turned them pop-pop just as easy as you do, and... They're not his wife and kid anymore, I don't know what they are. They're like look. just extensions of him. If I 
Maybe, Sir Blunt, I, I think that's more of a Barry thing. Maybe, but Barry's a gangrel, too. I mean, who's to say he didn't have good intentions before he did that? Who's to say it ain't the blood went through? No. Fuck, if I turn it, Bunyip's gonna say, Great, another one to fight the werewolves. Here's a shotgun, get on the line. Well, does she have to be gangrel? Take pauses. Well, I'm getting gross, so would. Um. Okay, oh, actually. I don't know. That'd be. Shit. Who, 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 would, who would do that? Maybe if I got a major boon out of somebody. Look, I. The... Do you know what generation you are? Yep. Twelve. I see. <laughs> Quickly, what's uh, what's Tig's called? Yeah, what is Tig's called? Nothing. Cool. Dirt. She's going he to only... lie through yeah. her teeth now. Um... <laughs> he only knows he's twelfth, by the way, because Bunyip told him, and he's not entirely sure what it means. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, yeah, Marion is now going to lie through her teeth. Um, I, 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 I'm not so good with this myself, but um. I believe that, God forbid, but I, 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 my, um, you know, I had to embrace my father and he came out a little bit, I think he's a thin blood. Oh, shit. And I, I, I think. I mean, I don't care. Well, an hour and stuff, but I know he's going to hit more troubles there. It's, it, it's a hard on life to lead and I, I I think it has to do with generation I all right I just so worry maybe. that you might unfortunately have the same effect on your family he can handle it but mm. <sighs> oh I I don't know thin blood would be easier in way for her but I don't know if it would make a difference to Bunyip is a problem. Tig glances over, but he can't read Marion too well. The lie passes unchecked. That's a worry. Uh, so I, I need to... So you're saying I, I could get somebody else to do it? That would... Huh. Thing is, it would be handing them a chip they could leverage on me. Oh, I hate myself for even thinking that. <laughs> I I understand it. It's only natural. But I look. I I don't have. I I don't have the answers for you. But I I I, can, I do know that it would be a real shame for that to go wrong. <sighs> I I guess I'll have to do some more thinking. Who the fuck can I turn to? I mean, we got a, we got the Nosferatu on our side, lady on our side now, but she's half by me and she took the head off somebody just by think. And then I, I don't know what a lane to go through, whatever horror show happens to the Nosferatu. If you like, I could ask around. Without naming names. Of course, of course. Yeah. Just as a right. vague consideration. 
I've been in this game for long enough to know there's always a cross, so uh, you want something from me? Oh, no. Did consider this repayment for your help with my situation. Dick scrutinizes you, and that's two successes. Go and roll a quick deception if you would. Yeah, so go ahead. Roll me a manipulation subterfuge. Yeah, because this is haggling, and everybody, and he's actually pretty good at haggling. Two successes. Two successes. Two, two, All both right. sides. Alright, you know what? That's, that's fair. If you can ask around. Oh lord, it can't be nobody from the camp, neither. <sighs> Alright. I'll, I'll kind of broach this up. This will give me time to broach the subject to her, see if she's on board with it. See if she'd be open to that, because... <sighs> There's times I feel like I'm just an old man trying to hang on to what I used to have, you know? Another feeling old. And I know well. it can't last forever. But... It's good while it lasts. Pig. I'd like you to go ahead and roll me a wits animal ken check for me quickly. Alright. Oh fuck, are we outside the city again? Just roll it. <laughs> oh boy. Bit of paranoia is healthy. Four successes. Four successes. As the conversation between you and Marion dies down, it becomes aware to you as you're driving along this empty stretch of urban wasteland, pressing into the heights towards the Otollies, Wolf's BMW about a car length ahead, that the dogs in the back of the ute are uncharacteristically silent. They're usually barking, usually jostling, enjoying the ride peer through the rearview mirror and see all three dogs curled up asleep. Marion. Give your friend a call. Something's up. I'm on it. And she does. And we will move over for one more scene before our break, to the Otollies itself, where Kat is there on her knees in front of the bloodless, broken body of Eddie, the new guy, the teenager, his pale skin gleaming in the moonlight that filters through the window of the manager's office, his glassy eyes staring into yours, cat. You've been sitting here for the last half hour, perhaps longer, letting the weight of what you did sink in. You killed somebody. You're not sure how, you're not sure why, but it's clear to you that you took Eddie's life. And it's 
it's only a matter of time before you're caught, put to justice, made to pay for this monstrous thing you've done. What do you do? What do your instincts tell you to do? Having just committed cold-blooded murder. Uh, oh, oh, God, um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what to do. Um, run, hide, try to get as far away as you can, find a place to just sit and wait the inevitable, try to cover your tracks. No, no, you're not, you're not a criminal, but you, you're a murderer. Murderers cover their tracks, don't they? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I should just wait and get what's coming to me. Uh... Oh god. Uh I'm gonna try and stand up. Try to stand up. I'd like you to go ahead and roll your resolve plus composure for me. That's a success three. Success three. Somehow, somehow you call upon the strength to stand up. And as soon as you do, you feel some of the weight dropping off you. You no longer want to just wallow in misery, but now you have to figure out what you're going to do next. Why are you here? Why are you in this situation? What horrible thing? took over your body, forced you to do such, commit such a terrible act. There's got to be clues somewhere. There's got to be something that might help you understand this. Um. Okay. Uh. Before uh, that, he said something about a something let loose something in, in the, the kitchen in the Every, kitchen someone grabbed for a knife and all hell broke loose um okay um in the kitchen in the kitchen uh for it see if you can find whatever this bizarre strange thing that set all this off is yeah, let's let's look for it. Alright. I'd like you to make for me either a composure or intelligence plus investigation check. Uh let's see. I'm gonna do composure investigation. That's okay. Sure. Uh, it's a crit five. Crit five. Suddenly, suddenly determined, you step out of the manager's office, push into the kitchen. If you thought the break room was bad, this is even worse. Oil spilled from the deep fryer, mixing with blood on the floor. 
blades coated in crimson scattered on the tiles, pieces of uniforms ripped and torn strewn across the area. On one of the benches, there's a hand. A hand grabbing the edge of the bench. Someone trying to use it as a brace to pull themselves up. Except the hand isn't attached to anything. The finger's still gripping the corner. You're unsure how that woman, that thing, was able to even get through the kitchen without being stopped, but... You're starting to realise she was no human. She was a monster, and... Somehow she wasn't noticed as she made her way through the kitchen and made her way towards the air conditioner at the very back of the room near the meat freezer. You could see her footprints in the dirty tiles marking her passage. You reach the air conditioner and notice that the grill on the front appears to be slightly ajar, as if it was removed and clumsily placed back. Uh, that's... That's odd. Um, I'm gonna... Gonna look at that a little closer like you to go ahead and make me a strength plus athletics check to see if you can get it off. Uh, success one. Success one. Um, so whoever removed it didn't fix it back on particularly firmly and you only have to strain a little bit you grab into the sides and pull and then it pops off and as soon as it's off you see something sprinkled inside something that is clearly not supposed to be there something you don't recognize Fine powder, glowing bright orange, glowing in the dim light, as if it's powdered fire sprinkled across the inside of the air conditioner. What? Braid across the nozzle of the refrigerator, and as you understand it, Probably being billowed out into the air in the kitchen. What is this? You can take some of it in your fingers if you want. Um, I will do so very, very cautiously. Or better yet, I'm actually I'm, I'm going to get something from the kitchen to to yeah. interact with it. You look around and see a burger flipper lying on the tiles. You pick it up and use it to just 
etch some of the powder out. Do you let it touch your skin at any point? I'm going to try and avoid doing that. <laughs> I understand that one of the disciplines you have is fortitude. Mm -hmm. Which power do you have? Uh, resilience. Resilience. So that is, uh, yeah, endowed with supernatural endurance, you can strengthen your physical resolve. I will ask you to go ahead and make me a stamina plus fortitude check. Adding your single fortitude level as an extra dice to your stamina. That is a success two. You try very carefully not to let any of it touch your fingers. Holding it on the end of the spatula, you raise it close to your face, peer at it, stare at it, and... Something lashes out, the air around you immediately grows hot and sticky, an unseen force pelts you. Feels as if somebody's kicked you in the face and you stumble for a moment, dropping the spatula. It clatters to the floor as a voice whispers in your mind, Blood for Castoth. Blood for Castoth. But you maintain in control of your faculties and... Don't seem to have taken any damage don't seem to have been harmed in any visible way. But in that split second, you could feel it. You could feel that bloodlust, that frenzy, that desire to grab the closest thing that you could use as a weapon and lay into whoever you could find. Living, dead, man, woman, human, animal it didn't matter it's at this point cat that you hear the sound of tires crunching on the asphalt of the parking lot outside you turn around and see high beam headlights of a truck Peering through the Otoli restaurant windows. Instinctually, you duck onto the counter so that they can't see you. And then a few seconds later, the headlights die. You hear the sound of a car door opening and boots crunching on the concrete. Someone's here. They're going to catch you. What would you like to do? Woo! Wee woo, wee woo. Um. Uh, fuck. Um. Uh. Uh. uh I don't know. Um. Find some place to hide? I'm hiding, I'm hiding. Yeah. You have obfuscate, don't you? Uh, yes. Correct. Yeah. So I'd like you to do a rouse check. That means you're going to use your blood. You're going to rouse your blood and you're going to risk getting hungrier. And the way we do a rouse check is we roll a single d10. And a success means that you don't get hungrier as you activate your your unseen passage. 
So just roll one. That's a fail. It's a fail. Your hunger increases to one. You're new to this. And as you creep towards the meat locker, press yourself into the shadow cast by its thick metal door, and you feel feel something inside you instinctually compelling you to just remain absolutely still. You have no idea what you're doing, but you're instinctually calling upon your blood to hide you, to keep you safe. And as you do so, that voice, that beast that resides within you whispers, I shall hide you from those who will do you harm. But we pay down the line. You look out for me, I look out for you. And the shadows converge around you. And you're hidden. I'd like you to go ahead and make me a composure plus stealth check for me. And you may add your obfuscate as extra dice. Uh, that's crit seven. Crit seven. Hmm. Yeah. And I've rolled a five for the person who may find you. It looks like you're hidden. And you'll be able to engage with these people, whoever they are, on your own terms. The BMW and the Ute turn off Foster's Road into the parking lot of the O'Tollies, right there in the centre of what was once optimistically called the Heights, what was once supposed to be a state-of-the-art planned community and is now just like everything north of downtown. A seemingly endless collection of ramshackle council estates, half-collapsed businesses, and broken dreams. The O'Tollies, though, the O'Tollies is... Well, normally it would be a beacon of light and cleanliness, which is saying something about how nice this suburb is. But tonight, as you pull up, it's obvious that something is very clearly wrong. There's an ominous sense in the air. The lights in the O'Tollies are turned off. And yet, yet the drive through is still open. The window is still open, ready to take orders, even though no one appears to be manning it. The cars of the employees are still parked there in their spaces, up in front of the building's facade. Oh, and there's a big plume of blood just painted across the front window that looks out into the parking lot. As you kill the engines and climb out, 
and take your first steps across the parking lot. You look around for a sign of Ophelia, the ghoul, the spy, but it looks like she's made herself scarce. She phoned in the tip and then scarpered. Who knows what's waiting inside? She didn't want to take any chances, and nor should you, perhaps. Tig, the dogs in the back of the ute are still unusually quiet. Two of them still curled up, sleeping. The third, seated up, watching you walk away, tongue hanging out, panting, tail wagging, ears perked up, looking like somebody's given him the best scratch he's ever had. Which is really bizarre, because well, he's you've my been driving this whole time. I'll ask him straight up as we park and get out. What's going into you, Vin? He looks at you. Mm-hmm. And peers to his side where the other two dogs are, and in communicating to you in feelings and feelings and vibes, not so much words, he says, got a nice scratch behind the ears. I hope she comes along more often. File that way onto something to forget about once I'm done here. <sighs> Tig gets out, looks at Wolf. I'm guessing we need to secure this area and then get out of them cleaning supplies fast, yeah? I'll handle that. Something is seriously wrong here. This isn't right. All right. Currently about 10.30pm, and as an Anarch Tig, you know that the rant starts usually at about midnight so you've got about an hour give or take to clean up people start showing figure out what happened here before the earliest anarchs start to turn up tickles out the shotgun all right let's go in those of you can't see in the dark bring torches eh? Uh, Wolf holds up a hand quickly, just like, stopping, stopping taking his tracks. Whoa, hold on, hold on. Not so fast. And within an instant, he's invisible. Hmm. Go ahead, rouse the blood for me, Wolf. Oh, he gets hungry again. No. Up to three. Hungry boy today. Yeah, it's hungry That's three. okay. He'll be Can able Wolf to... Wolf actually vanish? I'm not, like, rules lawyer yeah, here. I'm no, curious. He, cool. He has silence to death and unseen passage. Oh, no, um, okay, I, I'm not rules lowering you here, I don't care, but later on you should know that uh, yeah. with Unseen Passage you have to be unseen already to become invisible. Oh, I, I am can, going to interpret make, that. Just, yeah. just it's fine right now, this is a he story up, thing, just just making sure you know. Hold uh, up, I'm aware. Tig turns away, and when Tig turns around again, Wolf is gone. That's kind of what I'm trying just Tig's eyes. <laughs> but like caboose. He's <laughs> <laughs> like peekaboo. I can't see them, they can't see me. Yeah. Tig's brand. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry to ruin Tig. your cool moment. Tig, do you 
call any of the dogs to accompany you, or do you leave them to guard the truck oh. from this mysterious visitor that apparently is tagging along? Something's going on, so I'm going to leave him with the truck. And Marion, what do you do? Marion's hanging out now. Hanging out. Keeping a lookout just in case somebody needs to be turned in the other direction. Yeah, she's not, like, really equipped to go straight in right now, so... Yeah, fair enough. So Tig and Wolf, you approach... Well, are you approaching the front door, or are you going to head around the back of the restaurant? Um, Wolf is going to be heading around the back and taking a, a quick loop of the place. Yeah. So Wolf, I'd like you to go ahead and make for me a dexterity stealth check. And you may add your two dots of obfuscate. Uh, that is five successes. Five successes versus two successes. And Tig, what are you doing? Heading straight to the entrance? Pretty much. He did a little straight up the middle. Yeah, so Tig... Tig crosses over the parking lot, his boots crunching on the asphalt as he approaches the front door of the Otollis, and the sign hanging on the other side of the glass still reads, Open! Even though the lights are off. Eyes of the Beast. Yeah, Eyes of the Beast on. As he approaches, his eyes narrow, begin to glow bright yellow in the darkness. It doesn't look like anyone's made any attempt to secure or lock the front door. So Tig, as you grab the handle and pull, you're surprised to find the door opens to admit you to the restaurant. You step inside the restaurant and... In the few Hold the door an extra second for an invisible person, who, if they want to come. <laughs> Hold, <laughs> Hold the door open. Back. Yeah. All right. Hold the door open. But it's nice of you to think, for it. think about it. Just for a second, and then you let the door close. And in the few seconds it takes for your eyes of the beast to activate and amplify the light, you register that unmistakable smell of blood. Not really fresh at this point, still wet, not fresh enough that it would be nourishing if anyone were to drink it, but it's still wet, and there's a lot of it, and instantly your beast perks up and says, not animal blood, Tig, not animal blood, but you don't have to hurt anyone to take it, just lying around, waiting for you to take, don't be an idiot. Not licking food off the floor of an Otollis. You don't know where it's been, don't put it in your mouth. Tigs out loud. I'd like you to make a wits awareness check for me, please. Okay. Boom, boom, boom. Only one success. Only one success. So, the restaurant area of the Otollis is a mess. Cups and burger wrappers are knocked over, lying across the floors. 
straws, forks, eating utensils scattered on the tiles and in the booths. And at the very back, the counter that looks out from the kitchen, you can see blood seemingly painting the entire countertop red, slowly rolling down the front onto the tiles. It looks like whatever happened, it started in the kitchen and it spilled out from there. It doesn't look like a lot of the violence happened in the restaurant itself, save for that single smear of blood on the window. And as you turn around to examine it, you see... single arm lying at the baseboard of the wall, its hand still tightly clutching a mobile phone. The numbers zero, zero, zero gleam on the screen, but the call was never placed. Fuck me. Somebody pulled a straight-up horror movie in here. Takes this out loud. All right. Then he goes and checks the bathrooms first. Before Turns working first. his way into the kitchen. Alright. So, Wolf, unseen, you begin to make your way around the perimeter of the building, passing through the drive through making your way past the drive through window. And as you do, Wolf, I'd like you to go ahead and make a wits awareness check for me. What does he spy with his one little eye? How many successes did you get? And we'll see. Ooh, uh, just one, but I'm going to reuse a willpower to roll that. Uh, two. That'll, that'll do for now. As you pass by the drive through window, you notice it's still open, as if somebody was in the middle of taking an order, but there's nobody manning it. It's pitch black on the other side, except for something glimmering in the darkness something that you only notice out of the corner of your eyes you're moving past you stop for a moment peer into the darkness beyond the window and see something bright orange like a flickering flame in the darkness at first you think it's fire but no it's solid and you remember you remember the Pentex facility, Wolf, and realize that you're staring at a shard of Infernium, roughly the size of your thumb, just lying haphazardly on the counter behind the drive through window. What the fuck is that doing here? It's, lying, it's lying in amongst a jumble of banknotes a ten dollar note a twenty dollar note a handful of coins if you had to hazard a guess you'd say someone handed a handful of cash to the guy manning the drive-thru he unwrapped the banknotes and the infernium was waiting it shouldn't be here definitely shouldn't be you continue yeah. on go ahead wolf no it's gonna say well does continue on yeah, you continue on, continuing your 
survey of the perimeter of the building, and as you reach the end of the drive-thru and are about to turn into the little alleyway that runs along the back where the staff entrance is, you hear the shuffling of feet along the asphalt. You pause, pressing yourself against the wall, remaining utterly still, as a dishevelled-looking man, very clearly an unhoused person, shuffles out of the shadows, his eyes wild and bloodshot. He looks from left to right, sniffs the air like an animal. You notice in his right hand, he's clutching a shard of broken glass. There's red stains along the edge. And as he begins to shuffle past you, he mutters something under his breath. Blood, blood for Castos. Blood, blood. Uh, Wolf knows exactly what to do in this situation. And his knife comes out. You're going to dispatch this this person? Oh, yeah, he's getting his throat yeah. slit. Yeah. He doesn't see you, and so I won't make you roll for it. Instead, calling upon your celerity, you dart forwards. The knife is out in an instant. The man, the thing, doesn't even have time to turn to face you. He opens his mouth to mutter again, blood, blood for The blade of your knife sticks into the front of his throat. He gurgles and you're expecting blood to come spraying out, but it doesn't. Instead, the slit on his throat glows bright orange as powdered infernium begins to dribble out of the gash. The man's eyes roll back in his socket, in their sockets, and then he slumps forwards, dead. Uh, Wolf is going to give him a quick, like, shuffling kick with his shoes to see if he's really dead. This is new. Yeah, he doesn't move. He doesn't react at all. Now that he's dead, now that he's no longer moving, he looks just like a regular regular human being if a bit disheveled and unclean but he's still not bleeding the blood isn't pooling around him as you'd expect it to be yeah wolf's gonna make note of this to bring up with everybody else and quickly make his way inside the building to rendezvous yeah. with Tig. step so you're just gonna head back to the front entrance, or are you going to keep going to the staff entrance and meet up with Oh, uh, staff entrance. Yeah. He's going to work all the way through. You round the corner, and as you reach the very back of the building, you see a green dumpster rust flecking its sides. The lid has been flung open. There's a single very obviously bloodless body lying on the asphalt in front, and there seem to be several others stuffed inside the dumpster itself. You're about to make your way perhaps to the dumpster to examine the situation. Then you see, hanging above the doorway 
above the staff entrance a single particularly cheap looking CCTV camera, the type that you would purchase from your run-of-the-mill electronics store, something that the staff of this Otollies would have installed themselves to make sure that their employees weren't sneaking out for smoke breaks too often. The light on it is blinking on and off. Red, black, red, black, indicating that it's still on and still recording. Uh, even though the camera can't see him, Wolf is going to scowl at it. Try to show it who's boss, maybe a little bit, and note that he should probably deal with them um, wherever that's being stored before they're yeah. done here. What are you, how many points in technology do you have, Wolf? Um, he has two. Two? With two, I'd say you recognize this model of camera well enough to understand that it's quite cheap. It's like a $40, $50 camera from an electronics store, and it's not... It's not a professional setup. It's not beaming anywhere to off-site security. It's probably just uploading everything it records to the manager's computer inside. Then I guess once once he rendezvous, the manager's office will be first on the yeah. first on the list. You push open the staff entrance and head inside into the blood-strewn break room, and Marion. As you wait at the car, as you see the bulky shadow that is Tig moving around inside the restaurant, something draws your attention. The sound of tyres crunching on asphalt. Somewhere at the end of the street, you whirl around and see the headlights of a station wagon pulling into the parking lot and beginning to make a beeline straight for the drive-through. Apparently the fact that the lights are off in the restaurant means nothing to these people. She's gonna casually stroll over. As they begin to as their car slowly glides across the parking lot. You make your way towards them. The station wagon comes to a stop and the driver's side window rolls down, revealing a particularly greasy, overweight man with long flowing blonde hair. He sniffs the air. Hey love, is this place open or what? Drive through, boom gates, up lights are off and I'm dying for a bloody burger. Sorry, mate. Uh, it's 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 closed for the night. Uh, it sudden emergency. Nothing to worry about. Uh, look, I'm the manager. I, I apologize. Can I refer you to another location, perhaps? Go ahead, Marion. Make me a manipulation subterfuge roll. Can do. <laughs> Whenever I lie, you smile. <laughs> because you do it so well. Aww. <laughs> Just two on that one. Past ten in the evening. Fuck! I don't suppose it's just the ice cream machine broke down. If <laughs> uh, only. I, I I really do wish. No, it's uh we 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 do have to close. I'm afraid. Uh, 
All right, then, he says. Kentucky Fried Foul it is. <laughs> well, I hope that uh, this hasn't lost your uh, your your patronage in the future. Nah, nah, just fucking put it on your social media or something, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I'll update that now. That's that's a very good point. Thank you. It, it's just really been quite last minute. Thank you. I'm going to roll for him for something because Tig did not remove the sign in the door. Ah, Christ. <laughs> He's about to, he places his hands on the steering wheel and he's about to reverse. And then his eyes widen as he catches sight of something in the mirror and he says, No, but you got, you got the sign right there in the window, says open and his eyes go wide as he sees the smear of blood over the glass. Struth! You see his hand fumbling, you see his hand fumbling for his phone lying in a little compartment just under the steering wheel. One of these I won't have to do this, one of these days I won't have to do this. So, uh, just one moment, I know that looks bad. It's, uh, it's, it's quite alright, one of our employees had an accident, that's why it's been so last minute. Don't worry, I've reported everything to the police. You don't need to harass them again. Make them make their night, like nights any harder. <laughs> are you dominating him or are you- Not yet, I'll see how that goes when I'm getting right. his eyes. <laughs> make me another manipulation subterfuge, please. Five on that one. Oh. Accident, huh? He says. Fuck, looks like somebody lost a fucking arm. Yeah, look, I know. I. I need to fire the manager, really. He does not keep his employees, the, the shift manager, he does not keep his employees up on safety standards. It's, it's really not okay. I thought you was the manager. No, I'm the branch manager, sweetheart. I go around to quite a few places in the area. Oh, well, well, fuck. Uh, fuck, uh, I don't want to eat here if there's fucking people losing arms. If, look, all right, fuck. I hate the new bloody tornado they got at the fucking Kentucky Fried Fowl, but... I guess I'll make do, he says. Thank you for your Thank time. You. Thank you, sweetheart. And seriously, forget all about the blood. <laughs> His eyes glaze over as he winds up the driver's side window and the station wagon begins to reverse back out onto the street. You see it linger for a moment as if he's unsure where he's meant to be going, trying to remember why he was here in the first place. Then the headlights turn on again, flooding the parking lot with light, and the station wagon rolls down the street, disappearing behind a cluster of buildings. Oh, that could have gone Cat, inside the store, you are crouching. Crouching, hiding, remaining as still as you can in the shadow cast by the meat locker door. You can hear the footsteps, you can hear someone moving around the restaurant floor, you can hear someone pushing open the staff entrance, creeping through the break room. In a matter of seconds, they'll arrive in the kitchen. You're confident they won't see you, they won't find you, but... Suddenly, 
You hear a voice. <laughs> a high-pitched feminine voice humming in a sing-song. What's all this blood here? Is this what Auntie Marion gets up to? Is this how she hunts? What is this? Peering out from your hiding spot, you see a young girl, perhaps no older than seven years old, just strolling through the kitchen, looking around, taking in the sight of the carnage. What the hell? And she said, I'm not allowed to hunt myself. What is... Huh? Her gaze passes over where you're hiding, but she doesn't see you. That's obvious. Instead, she just whistles. Whistles her sing-song voice and says, Well, there's a meat freezer over there. I'm not going to lick this blood off the floor, but numbers, let's get you a nice fresh cut of meat. And a broad smile on her face, she begins to make her way towards you, directly towards you, and to your utter horror, cat, something travels alongside her, something small, leaving animal paw prints in the wet blood. Oh, fuck. What is that? Um. I'm just gonna hope they don't see me. Just gonna stay as still as you possibly can. Go yep. ahead. Make me a composure stealth roll. That is a critical six. Critical six. The girl continues humming. <laughs> she strolls to the door of the meat locker. She reaches out, wraps her hands around the handle and pulls. Oh, too heavy, she says, folding her arms and resting against the wall. Guess I'll wait for Uncle Tig to turn up. As she leans against the door, the unseen thing following her leaves yet more paw prints in the wet blood. And then... Some of the dust caked onto the meat locker door is brushed away like a cat brushing its tail in question mark shape against the surface as it walks past. So Tig, you're checking the bathrooms. Go ahead and make a wits plus investigation check for me. No penalty, because you have Eyes of the Beast. 
investigation. Yeah, I'm uh, entirely good at that. <laughs> I left the five. <laughs> I believe you. Uh, total failure. Bathroom. Total failure. You push open the bathroom door, and as your boots crunch onto the tiles, splashing in a puddle of water. All you see is utter carnage. There's a chunk missing out of the porcelain sink. The door of one of the toilet cubicles has been wrenched off its hinges. Yet more blood flecks the walls and the tiles. And out of the corner of your eye, you see something small and furry dart away into a hole in the baseboard of the wall. Oh. Oh, shit. Oh, no, you don't. I am going to Feral Whispers. Mm, go ahead, rouse the blood. I'm going to get hungrier. Should I roll it? Um, you're going to get hungrier. Go ahead, roll it, and we'll see. We'll see, because this animal's quite rightfully very terrified. Well, three successes should probably do something. Little glimmers, little tiny pinpricks peer out at you from the mouse hole in the wall and you can just make out the shape of a single little grey mouse there trembling, cautiously watching you approach looking as if if you make one wrong move if you move too suddenly or come too close it'll just turn and dart away into the darkness my hand goes into the pocket and an ancient pack of uh, Tim Tams gets unwrapped the mouse doesn't move. It doesn't... doesn't... It doesn't react to the unwrapping of the plastic in excitement as you would expect it to, but instead it just remains transfixed on you, cautiously watching as you raise your finger to your mouth, shh, shh, and lower the pack of Tim Tams down on the floor. I just want to know what happened here, then I'll be gone. What happened here? The mouse's eyes dart between the chocolate biscuits and you. It trembles again, and a rush of fear, of abject animal terror, rushes through your mind. A girl, a woman, a human, but not a human, gliding through the restaurant, unseen gliding through the restaurant as if it was her own domain, as if she had every right to be here, sprinkling orange powder in the deep fryer, in the refrigerator, in the air conditioner, in the sink, in the bathroom, whispering unknowable things under her breath as she went blood to cast off, blood to cast off, blood to cast off. Before the mouse departs, it tells you that as the chaos broke out, the girl simply surveyed at her face, twisting into a wicked smile, and before she disappeared into the night, she whispered, Deal with this one, Samantha. I pause the mouse's memory and scroll down a bit. Is she wearing an upside-down cross around her neck? The mouse just nods. 
Tig's size does his best not to roar, then carefully eases back from the Tim Tam and leaves. The mouse right. is already gone, disappeared into the darkness, leaving the Tim Tams uneaten. Yo, Tig will check the other bathroom for formality's sake, just to make sure that nobody's in there. Much the same condition as the others, and as the other one, although no petrified rodent this time. And as you head towards the kitchen, you find yourself passing the break room, just in time for the staff entrance to be flung open and for Wolf to step inside. Once he sees it's Wolf, he'll point the shotgun away. Andrea's been here. Andrea, that would explain a bit, wouldn't it? She sprinkled orange powder all the fuck all over the place, don't know what it means. I got a few locations from a mouse. Yeah, there's a <sighs> solid lot rock of the stuff at the drive through entrance. Why? Anyway, I cleared the front. Only thing left is the back. I think she's long gone, but I got to make sure. And then we got to start cleaning this up. It's like some kind of ritual. Tiggs is loudly, probably loud enough to be overheard by anyone lurking. Some kind of ritual. I'm damned if I know don't, why, though. Maybe Mary. How many corpses? I haven't counted. I've been focusing on clearing. And Tiggs is kind moving of toward the kitchen. Rubs his forehead at the concept of not counting the corpses. As you make your way towards the kitchen, you're utterly surprised when Flick's voice rings out. Uncle Tig, I can't get the door open! Flick, what's your favourite game system? I like... I like the one with the two screens. I had that when I was a baby. Wait, why is Flick here? You broke in the basement. What was it? Out of character, it's the PSP. Yeah. Out of character, it's just talking about the DS, but she also has a PSP. Yeah. What year is it? <laughs> it's 2021, but... How Flick... neglectful is Marion, this poor girl? Flick is... Flick is from the type of family Couldn't that afford would... Something modern. That can't afford yeah. a modern game system and are probably so overworked that when their daughter goes missing and becomes a vampire, it takes them like a full day to notice. Alright, uh, don't move nowhere, Flick. This could be a dangerous place. And Tiggle bustle over to her. You followed us, didn't you? Wolf, do you follow Tig? Yeah, absolutely. And he calls out to Marion outside. Marion! Your daughter's here! She what? I thought she was trained. Oh, and you might want to turn off that sign if you're not going to be watching the parking lot. Marion, just hang on. Uh, how accessible is the, uh, is the interface of the sign? It's just hung up on, on a hook on the other side of the door. You'd literally just pull it up, toss it away. Or flip it over so it says closed. Yeah, she's just going to turn it to be closed. You meet up with Wolf and Tig in the kitchen, taking in the scene of carnage and blood and terror. And 
You haven't yet spoken to them about what they found, but it's obvious to you something really fucked up happened here. But that's not what you're concerned about, Marion. What you're concerned about is Flick standing in front of the What are you doing arms here? Folded. Said we'd go out tonight. Later tonight. Got we can do that, but we've come Tiggs. to a very... Got into the back of Tig's you with the doggies. I thought you were going to have fun without me. I'm sorry, Sweet this isn't exactly fun. This is work. It's you very see. important work, and it's very dangerous work, sweetheart. Andrew, do... What? Oh, you did that, that cut out, sorry. Did Andrea do this? It's looking uh, like she did, yeah. What makes you say that? Because she looks around and then she frowns in puzzlement. I, I don't know. Just have a feeling. Because, because when she was with me, she kept saying that blood would. She had to create blood. She, she was getting blood for me. Remember, but I wasn't the only one. She had a friend. She said his name was Kastos, and she had to get blood for him. And she said he wanted lots of blood, far more than I would ever need. There's a guy at the back. looked like looked like a bit of a drifter. Um, he was mumbling something about Kastos as well. The mouse said that she was say, saying blood for the Kastos. What did you do? With All right, him? flick. Get behind your Auntie Mary in there, and I'm gonna open that meat locker door, okay? Could be something dangerous in there. Be careful, because Numbers says there's someone hiding right there. Oh god, it's a new coterie. <laughs> That's another first day of the tutorials of the tutorial campaign. And she points right at the little shadowy corner just beyond the meat locker, where, where to be fair, she hasn't seen Cat, but Numbers has. Dick Wolf is bringing out his, his... that way. Yeah, Dick. Uh, Wolf is drawing his dagger as well. Marion has drawn her side on. Cat, and they throw the door and come out blasting. <laughs> Marion also moves, flip behind her. All right, mate. Unless your name happens to be Andrea, you come out right now. Right, I'm gonna put my hands up and become visible. Suddenly, Cat blinks into view, and you see an utterly broken, traumatized-looking young woman wearing an Otolly's uniform, absolutely drenched in blood. Uh, listen, listen, I, 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 I don't know what. God. What did um, you see? Uh, um, I, fuck, I, I killed him. I fucking, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. I was in the, the, the dumpster. I, <sighs> Marion looks her directly in the eyes Takes and uses And not. Mm, go ahead, make a rouse check for me, Marion. Yeah, she's just going to say, tell me everything you know, clearly and calmly. And I get hungrier. Yeah, so as this woman looks into your eyes, Kat, and she calmly but firmly says, tell me 
everything. It's like you have no control over yourself. Suddenly, your mouth is open and you're recounting everything. Taking a break, lighting your cigarette, seeing the woman wearing the upside-down cross stepping into the alleyway, seeing the way she looked you up and down at first in the way that someone looking to pick up would check out their options but then more predatory more monstrous the when she flung you against the wall when she sung sunk her fangs in when you awoke in the dumpster when you pulled the corpses off you when you found Eddie in the office all leading up to now you're like us says Flick the little girl she looks over at Marion she's like us isn't she that's that's right honey she seems to be the case it lowers the shotgun you just had the worst night I ever didn't you that's putting it lightly first question who are you with um, like... Are the Arnox expecting like, you? Wait, did Kat mention eating anything? Yeah, she mentioned feeding on... Yes, okay. Eating on Eddie. You're um, a vampire, says Flick, with a broad, shit-eating grin on her face. Flick, oh, we yes, don't well use that Marion, Marion rubs her, her, her temples and she says, I, <sighs> We really prefer the term kindred... Yes, we're all kindred here for Vampire? It's a long story. Listen, is there anything in that meat locker you know of? Um, or as you uh, know, Kat, it's burgers. just meat. Burgers, it's yeah. It's the only thing I ain't cleared, so I'm gonna clear it now, so you... Uh, don't try nothing, stay right there. Okay. And uh, Tig goes and pulls the meat locker door open. And as Tig pulls open the meat locker door I would ask him to go ahead and make for me a dex firearms or a dex athletics roll uh, let's see how good am I with firearms it's been a while I'll go for athletics yeah we'll bring out for two successes two successes Wolf, Marion behind, weapons drawn, waiting. Tig grabs the handle and wrenches the door open. A shadow moves in the darkness and a meat cleaver gleams in the moonlight as a terrified teenage girl with frazzled red hair launches herself towards you. Ah! You step out of the way, her meat cleaver cuts the air, and she tumbles forwards onto the tiles. Get away! Get away! She screams. could you put her out, please? Ah, <sighs> settle down. You gonna do this the blunt hammer way, or...? <laughs> Absolutely, she's very tired, and she does yeah. not get hungrier. Let's not get hungry are you? as Tig grabs her by the shoulders. You look into her eyes. Calm down. She gasps once more and stops, 
pulls herself up to a seating position against the wall of the kitchen, the meat cleaver still clasped in her hand, still trembling. She looks around, hanging in the side of you, and then her gaze lingers on Cat. Cat? Cat? Who are these people? What's going on? I don't. I don't know. All right. Um. Wolf steps forward and asks a very important question to the woman. How much of that did you just hear? Voices! I I heard voices, I heard footsteps. Uh, Something. I heard the word vampire, but. Ah, forget you heard the word vampire. Nothing, she says, her face sinking. Alright, look, love, I'll take you out. Uh, you come with me, he says, pointing to Cat. You come with me too, he says, pointing to Flick. Marion, there's some orange stuff that needs looking at. Wolf, you need to start cleaning. I'll go scrub. We'll go take her out of the staff entrance so she don't see nothing else. It'll get her worried, okay? Let's get moving. The girl looks over at Cat and she says, who are these people? Can are they uh, are they here to help us? Uh, I don't. I think so. I don't know. You have. And I would suggest you do as you're told. Tig T- T- rolls okay. his eyes and glances over to M- to Mary Ann and Wolf. Actually, should I put her to sleep? That's probably for the best. Yeah, Tig punches her in the back of the head gently. <laughs> <laughs> She gasps, <coughs> falls forwards, catches her over his shoulder. All right, let's let's have a talk with a clean. Marion, yeah, there's is... some occult, there's some occult orange shit you probably can do. It's like rituals. I don't know. Wolf's got the details. Oh, and the mouse said it was a here, 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 there, and there in the restaurant. Yeah, Wolf is going to start making his way to his uh, very special boot. Uh, trunk of his car, and okay. along the way, uh, just announced to nobody in particular. Samantha needs to know about this. If she's not with the yeah. Anarchs, and she yeah. doesn't know what's happening, you know. Protocol. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. I'll make the call. I'll make the call. I'll make the call, Tig. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, Sorry, I'm in a mood tonight. I apologize. Flick and uh, your name was Cat, right? Come with me. That, that's right. I'll, we'll go smoke, and I'll explain a few things. So, Cat, this huge bear of a man and this creepy little girl lead you out of the kitchen. They lead you past the break room and out into the alleyway where this all began. The dumpster's still there, the bodies are still there. And then the little girl peers into your face and she says, You're dead, just like they are. But you can still move and talk and walk around. Yeah, yeah. I think so. You're a vampire. I, we don't. I, drink I, a voice from across the parking lot says, stop it. Only we don't <laughs> use that word in public. Because, you know. You keep talking about vampires. That's real? Tig blinks and his eyes go blood red. Then they 
Then he blinks again and they turn normal. Rio's right. <sighs> Just like Annie Marion said, you can't breathe anymore, but you still can if you put your mind to it. And sometimes you have to. Because they have this thing, it's called the mascara, and if you break it, you get in big trouble. And you have to pretend it's... to be a human. Um, I got this, Flick. It's cool. You're doing great. So I'm going to build on what you said. You are doing great. Um, Look, number one rule about being a kindred, and you're, you're not supposed to say vampire in public. Number one rule about okay. being kindred is that you can't let mortals know that kindred exist. Okay. Because if you do, you gotta clean it up. I see. And, and Wolf, that's what we're doing Wolf yells out from across the parking lot, and if you don't clean it up, I clean it up, and you don't want that. <laughs> no, most certainly. Yeah, this mess in here, this is something that would get other kindred hunting you because it puts everyone at risk, but you're not the one who caused this mess, not your fault. It's a bit. <laughs> a flick. It's a. Hmm. Bad lady named Andrea who did this. That yeah, we're, yeah. She did it to me too, says Flick. Look. And now I can't see my mommy or my daddy or my brother or my sister ever again. Ah. Why is there a kid here? What is this? Okay. So, what do you know about... Uh, take Lewis's voice. What do you think you know about vampires? Um, the usual, the garlic in the water, that okay. sort of thing. Some of that is bullshit, except when it's not. It, it gets complicated. Some of us, uh, garlic is just like a salt. Others, it burns. It, it gets weird. Uh, okay. All of us have to drink blood or else we go slightly insane at this I point uh marion steps steps out of the restaurant and she, she's like she's just saying okay you, you you take care samantha okay she hangs up her phone she just like rolls her eyes um you have to stay away from the sun or else it'll turn you to like puddle of goo Probably not Ash, you're not I, old enough for that. I see. Fire hurts like a son of a bitch. And will kill you. Same as the sun, just not as quickly. Everything else you can heal from. Except for maybe losing your head. That'll kill just about anyone. Yeah, but I'm... I'm stuck like this? Take your overloading, the poor girl. Am I? This I'm forever, sorry. says Flick. Sweetheart, what, what was your name again? I'm Cat. Short for? Uh, Katrina. It's a good name. Look, honey, uh, I know this is a lot to take in. Uh, for now, just focus on getting through tonight, okay? You can stay with us for now. We're going to look after you. Yes, yeah, okay. actually our job is helping out. Uh, orphans. Yeah. All of that, yeah. Fill you in with the specifics later on. 
I'm Flick, okay. and that's short for Felicity, says Flick. Oh. Grinning broadly. Take Dunson. He offers a handshake. Uh, nice to meet you. And what Felicity means, Flick? Sorry, I ratted you out. I'm not a snitch. Okay. In this case, it was the right thing to do, Flick, so thank you for that. I, I think I'm going to need a change of clothes. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, uh, actually, um... Now I don't have my car. No, you can call your car, though. There's enough time. I mean, I got some coveralls and the ute, but they'd fit you like a tent. Oh, so the dogs whittled on them. What size are you? Uh. Um. Wait, what are we doing? Wolf has a change of clothes. (laughs) It probably does. Yeah, Wolf's already inside the building cleaning up. Yeah. I haven't rolled for it or anything yet, but. Actually, what time is it? for a sec. Tell us where you keep the. Kill us where you keep the spare clothes. It's early night for the record. You see, it's like a pair of eyes behind the paint, uh, the behind the um blood painted window, and a bloop, bloop, before they disappear again. <laughs> <laughs> like a few minutes later, there's like just a, a a pair of tracky pants and a t-shirt, like neatly folded, sitting on one of the desks in the break room. <laughs> All right, gonna give you some privacy to change. You're not gonna do a runner, are you? I. I don't know where I would go. Okay, because your best odds are with us. Alright. Give you a few minutes and meet you out front again. So I will say that as Marion called Sam up on the phone, did you inform her that there is a fledgling here? I did not. You did not. So she would have responded by simply sighing. <sighs> Now it was about time. I have arrangements I need to make. Keep me abreast of the situation. Uh, plan mm. there being that uh, Marion is probably going to uh, say that they found her after the phone call. Yeah, when you pre- when you next meet Sam in person, which is the, fair she, enough. She was obfuscated, so yeah. it's a, it's, it's a actually, good lie. Actually, Tig will mention to Marion while Cat uh, is changing. For the record, she was found on Anna turf so she don't have to go through that camp shit unless she wants to that yeah it doesn't have to be presented to the prince at least you don't think there's one small blessing out of this situation so wolf i presume you're going to use your rush job absolutely i i can only assume there's like 20 corpses that need to be dealt with yeah and a shitload of blood so wolf already got his gear out of the boot of his car and just sort of eyes the others telling them to start getting to work oh we're pitching in and i know wolf will do it all on his own they'll be in the way all right i'll i'll ask wolf to roll me a composure or resolve plus uh shall we say uh investigation or stealth to cover all to clean this all up and you may add your celerity as extra dice using your rush job uh that is a oh this shouldn't be a messy critical seven should it messy seven messy seven you're a rush job 
Would you like to spend willpower to re-roll uh, your non-hunger dice? Uh, it depends on whether this actually will be a messy or not. That would be I a messy. Will, yeah. I will, yeah, that would be a messy. Okay, I will re-roll some then. Ah, uh, messy 10. Messy oh. 10. Wait, so, did you re-roll well, or did you avoid messy? The uh no, I just clicked re- re-roll, but it didn't. Oh. It didn't change my um hunger dice anyway. Click avoid messy. Yeah, you have to click avoid messy. Ah, uh, yeah, that's roll now. You yeah. just re-roll the successes. Yeah, it's too late now. It's already great amount. All right, so I'll just take it. Whatever. You start to get to work. You get to work cleaning up perhaps the biggest mess you've had to in many, many years, Wolf. To be fair, this time it is not the Coterie's mess, but an entire staff of a restaurant, an entire building caked in blood, strange occult materials, infernium scattered around. There are so many things to deal with and you have approximately half an hour in which to get it all done. You're moving like a blur, scrubbing, dragging the bodies away, piling them up in your car, barking orders to the others to grab this, grab that, and it wears on you. It wears on you. Your beast begins to groan with impatience. Always cleaning up after them, always cleaning up, and never, ever do we ever get... Ever do we get appreciated for it. Every time they make a mess, always clean this, clean that. And your compulsion activates. Urged to punish a wrongdoer, you must slake one hunger from anyone that acts against their own convictions. Oh, I actually took a different one. I have Noxious Blood. Oh, what do you have? Noxious Blood. Well, that's your Bane, I believe. Uh... Oh, actually, I don't think I wrote down my... Your uh, compulsion... I'll just take that one then, Sean. ...is judgment. Urge to punish a wrongdoer. You must slake one hunger from anyone that acts of their own convictions. Acts against their own convictions. Failure to do so results in a three dice penalty to all rolls until the compulsion is satisfied or the scene ends. Like oh dear. You in blood. Find out who made this mess and make them pay. It's only fair, says the beast. Only fair that they pitch in the fucking gas money. But you managed to get the job done. Managed to clean, managed to drag the bodies away, pile them up into your car, grub the blood, remove all traces that anything went wrong here. When it's done, there are two questions, two more things that need to be dealt with. The Infernium. And the red-haired young teenage girl, still out cold, lying in a heap in the passenger seat of Tig's ute. I can drop her off at the hospital. What do you think, Wolf? Oh, sorry, I was muted. <laughs> um, yeah, Wolf 
Wolf um, barks to Marion. Scrub her mind. Do it. Okay. Yeah, she's gonna um, kneel down. Peel open the girl's eyelid. Look, just so you're aware, this only works for a short period. I can't guarantee you she'll lose everything. Uh, Wolf produces his knife. Do better. Okay, I understand. I'm going Wolf. to... Uh, I'm going to... Uh, can I roll to make this potentially more useful or something like that? Yeah, I'd like you to rouse the blood first of all. Yep. And then roll me Success. your resolve or composure plus your dominate. Okay, I'm going to boost as well. I get hungrier, so I'm at four now. And I'm going to roll the girl's willpower. Which she doesn't have a lot of, to be fair. Four successes. Four successes? I'm going to re-roll that just to be sure. Just to be sure. Six successes. Six successes. Six successes to her three successes. Okay. The girl murmurs, stirs in her sleep. You let go of the eyelid, it drops back down. She won't remember anything tonight. She'll wake up somewhere, think she's overslept, think she's missed work. Then she'll get the phone call. She'll get the phone call tomorrow. Something horrible happened. And by some twist of fate, she wasn't there that night. Wasn't there working when she was supposed to be. And managed to avoid a horrific fate. Oh. Yeah, it reminds me. Tick pulls out a card, looks at Cat. Do you live with anyone? Um. Not right now, no. Okay, okay, that's good. Is anyone likely to get worried if you go missing for a few days? Um. A few days? No, probably not. Okay, that's good then. Tig, I will say that with your three successes on your feral whispers, you were only able to procure one particularly hairy rat. It managed oh. to dart out from one of the garbage bags in the back alley and try as hard as you could. Couldn't seem to draw any other animals. That strange sense of dread in the air, the smell of blood still lingering even after Wolf's managed to clear up. Yeah. Mid-conversation, Tig says, oh, hold on a foot to Cat. Bends down, scoops up the rat, and fangs it. It's raining it dry. And you have animal succulents, don't you, Tig? So sure you do. do get the full one hunger from that rat. But all the other animals have made themselves scarce. This rat somehow felt the compulsion, fought against it and against its own best interests. Decided to answer your call. We can eat animals too, they just taste like shit, just so you know. You dangle the bloodless, you dangle the bloodless rat in front of Cat for a moment and then plunk! drop it into the dumpster. 
You got any more questions? Um, at the minute, I don't we think got a so. Time, Kill. All um, right. Well, if we're done with this, I need to dispose of all these bodies. Okay. And then we should meet up right. with Samantha. That works. I'm going to drop her off at hospital. I pointed the Reddit, and then uh, you got like an apartment or something. Yeah. We're gonna swing by there real quick, and you pick up anything you'll need for a few days. Okay. Okay. Computer, phone, whatever you need. Okay. So you make your way towards the vehicles in the parking lot. I'd like everyone to make a wits awareness check for me, please. Oh, my best roll. Including you, Cat. Yeah. Would you have more hunger dice than the actual pool? Two successes on that, actually. Two successes? Uh, <laughs> oh my good god, a messy seven from Wolf. Oh, I'm not gonna successes. apply the messy on that, though, but it's I will just apply the awareness, yeah. Heroes yeah. feeling good. already got his compulsion going on. <laughs> Listens lethally. <Yeah. laughs> I'll apply the messy in flavor. Wolf, you're on edge. And when you, like everyone else, catch a flicker of movement in the tree line along the edge of the parking lot that separates the Otollies from the laundromat next door, your knife is out, drawn. And you're ready to defend yourself as a large, black, mangy dog comes bounding out of the trees. He stops for a moment, bares his teeth, just enough to show that he means business. And then he slowly shifts, the fur parts, the skin twists. And Bunyip emerges. Oh! His eyes narrowed. He takes in the sight of each of you. Has Mary met Bunyip? You have not met Bunyip. Yeah, I thought not. His eyes narrow on Tig. What's going on, fish fucker? I've been in the trees last 20 minutes. Seen this fucker dragging bodies around. Clearing up blood. They rant on tonight. So Marisol decided that it'd be fun to kill everyone in there, do some sort of a cult ritual thingy. Cam shit? Probably not. No, not Cam. Ever hear of a fucker named Andrea? Can't say I have. But I'll bring it up at the rant tonight. If you want me to. Uh, might be bad. We don't know who she's working with. He looks over at Wolf. Put your knife away, you weedy fucker. It'd make you eat it, I'd do it. Wolf mumbles something about making him eat it and very delicately places it back in its sheath. Tig, are you going to introduce us? Oh, sorry, this is me, Sawyer Bunyip. Oh, Charmed. Uh, Marion. Yeah, you heard them legends about the black dog out west, that's it. Can't say I have. It's ah, I know you, he says, snarling. Hakata, 
play with fucking corpses and bit in your fucking boardrooms. Think you're getting the real work done. Well, it's me and mine keeping you all safe from the claws of the bloody lupines. So tell me, he folds his arms, this Andrea, if she thought knocking off our rant spot, leaving a nasty surprise for us was a good idea, and she ain't Cam, then why shouldn't I bring her to the Baron's attention? That's actually a really good question. Anyone got any thoughts on it? Uh, can I, like, roll politics on that? Yeah, you sure can. Go ahead, roll me an intelligence politics. Two. Two. So, Bunyip is a gangrel. He's not exactly subtle, he gets right to the point. And you get the impression, if he were to mention Andrea and what she did at the rant, he's just going to blurt out some fucker called Andrea thought she'd knock off our rent! And there's not going to be much more context to follow that up with, and there's a good chance a lot of the Anarchs will probably think it's some member of the cam trying to pull some funny business. They already know that Prince Aveline's on the brink with everything going on in Melbourne, and they're just as tense. Well, Tig, you're going to be at the ranch tonight, yes? Ah, yeah! Says uh, Bunyip. Truth is, I hadn't planned for it. She's, she's like, looking could, him in the eye pointedly. We could ask Bouncer to bring it up, as Tig stares over at Bouncer, who's been Bouncer's been at her club the whole night, but you could emphasize that you'll contact Bouncer about it. I mean, I can bring it up if you want, but you know I ain't much of a public speaker, but with Bouncer backing me up, yeah, we could bring it up. That's why you were here, then. That's why you stumbled on all this. You came early to the rant. We did come early to the rant. So why'd you bring along uh, Carter and this weedy fuck? And he looks over at Cat and he says... Don't know who the fuck this is, but she ain't no fucking anarch I ever seen. Well, we, nah, we're a coterie, if you weren't aware. Honestly. Simple as that, really. Truth is, I don't like going nowhere alone. Uh, we got jumped by a Lupin a few months back. Yeah. D- just rolling down steps. Yeah, I believe You're it. right, they're worked up, and I don't know why. Worked up. Tig, would like you to go ahead and make me a Charisma Persuade check. You may add your Anarch dots. Well, that's good, because I don't got much of anything else. Uh, here, my mighty three dice. One. One. Woohoo! Well, he peers over at Wolf. Why was this skinny fucker cleaning everything up? As far as I know, it'd only be cleaning up if that bitch Sam told you to do so, which means whatever happened here could cause problems between the Cam and the Anarchs. 
So somebody's whatever not happened being here would cause problems with the masquerade, which serves all of us. Wolf makes a habit of keeping things clean and tidy so that it doesn't come to bite us in the arse. Right. So in the interest of cooperation, I bring this Andrea to the attention of the Baron, and then we've got Anarx and Cam gunning for her. Unless there's a reason why the Hikata or the Cam would not want the Anarx to know about this. I couldn't care less. The only thing Tig says as his one brain cell struggles to make sense of it. The only thing I can think of is that she deliberately did this here knowing there was a rant here. So it's like dumping a trophy in somebody's backyard. It's like they're calling you out trying to get you angry make you act without thinking. Feels it's like damn shit to me. Except she ain't. Sam hates her guts. Hates her like poison. He looks over at Wolf. You, Mr. Cleaner, Mr. Sheen! Squeaky clean, Mr. Sheen. You ain't spoken up on this. Why were you cleaning up all this shit? You ain't an anarch. I ain't even fucking seen you before. Because I work for Sam, and this is a problem for Sam. If it's any constellation, uh, Bunyip, it... None of our members of our coterie actually identify with the Camarilla. True, true. I heard much from that Val, that Harpy, and that... Yeah, it's got me worried. That Mitch, Mitch guy? Well, Mitch seems to be otherwise preoccupied. Last I heard, he's become Patsy for one of your Primogen. Hands <laughs> up is also hot. So high that uh, we puppeting him that we can see his fingers whenever Mitch speaks, sickening his wires. Point being, none present and accounted for. Give a rat's ass about the cam. I'm going to make this perfectly clear. This is a message for Samantha. I've cleaned up the mess, and I'm going to bring it to Samantha's attention. But we this should not definitely... a message for you. Head wolf, and to make me a pen- a charisma. Or manipulate. Actually, make me a composure plus persuasion or intimidation check. All terrible. Hooray. And remember, three penalty dice because of your compulsion. Oh, I have no dice then. So you got one dice. You always get one. Something just occurs to Marion and she. Uh, Total she... failure. Marion puts up a finger, like, uh, give me a moment, and she walks away from the, uh, the, the, the group for a moment. And she pulls out her foreign making to be calling it, but she's actually going to summon Atticus. Hmm. Yeah, it's a total failure for Wolf. The air Nothing. grows cold around you, Marion, as he arrives and waits for orders. Carry on the rest of that for now. I'll get to that in a second. Truth be told, we absolutely should mention it in the rant. It's just I don't know what we should do about it. This is some sneaky shit, and I ain't big on sneaky shit. Bunyip sneers. Message not for me, not for the Anarch, says this weedy little bitch here. All right. Well, look. I'll take you at face value, Mr. Cleaner. Speak squeaky clean, Mr. Sheen. But... 
If I'm gonna keep me lips tied about Andrea, and you're asking me child here, me good friend and mate to do the same, then I'm gonna ask you to do something for me. You understand? You agree with that? Depends on what it is. What it is? Is I got someone I want to make disappear. That depends. Mortal fucker. Camps out in the woods trying to catch photos of the big black dog. A masquerade breach. And he keeps getting too close and it's only a matter of time before the lupines find out how close he's gotten and use him as an in against me and my own. Oh, that? No problem. You'll do Consider it. Consider it done. He's a father of three. The masquerade is most important. He smiles. Good. And you come to an agreement. God, you're a cold fucker, ain't you? Right. I ain't gonna mention Andrea at the rant. We got other shit going on anyway. Lupines fucking pushing at our borders, pushing into our territory, attacks all over the place, people torn a fucking shreds. We're building a war party tonight. We gotta find this Lupine who's doing this stuff and put it put him in the fucking ground. You sure it's only one? Nah. Can't be a pack. Can't be a pack because it's only one person at a time. Alright. One, one person, tear him to shreds. And we were going to deal with it before the cam found out. So they can't, you know, put it on us. Say so we're breaching the masquerade. And you and I, Tig, gang growl, it's our job to put these things right. Oh, so I was going to... So I was the one who was going to call the rant tonight. Ask the Baron to get some... Give me some manpower, get some search parties out, cover all the Anarch territory, and we're gonna find this, this fucking mongrel dog. Yeah. Oh, Tick turns over to, turns to get. Yeah, werewolves is real too, and they are horrible. Werewolves? Yeah. <laughs> just run, just run if you see one. Okay. Sorry, that was just my favorite line delivery, perhaps, of the entire campaign. <laughs> Alright, cool. says Bunyip. You came here on Sam's orders, that much is obvious. I presume you gotta go report in with her. So off you fucking trot. Don't worry about the rant, Tig. If Sam's got right. other business for you, you go and deal with it. But remember Thanks, the arrangement man. we made with your little friend here. And you be careful, because there ain't no guarantees these lupine fuckers aren't about to cause trouble in the Cam territory. And if they do... Well, part of Sam's coterie, you're the only gangrel they got. You're on the front lines. I know that. I know that. Thanks, mate. You got my number for anything comes up. Bunyip turns, makes his way back into the tree line, and you watch as once again his shadow shrinks down, and he leaps forwards on all fours, leaping, scrambling up the side of one of the trees. You hear a howl, ooh, ooh, 
And then he's gone. And then... Marion. Your phone vibrates. So, there's a message on your phone, Marion. It's from Samantha Stokes. And it reads... Rain check on us meeting up. Sheriff Lucas has pulled favours. We're pressed into service. Meet with Prince Aveline at Elysium now. Nasty um, things going down. She's going to do so. Uh, first, she's uh, she was asking Atticus to hang around, talk to anyone that might have just newly formed here and get some information if possible, and uh, keep an eye on the rant, especially with regards to mentions of Andrea. He will. It's a legion recruiting ground, he says. A veritable legion. Enough to march against Tannibal in the Alps. Ah, oh, I will talk to them. I will tell them what... Tell you what tales they have. Do as you will. I excuse me, Atticus. I appreciate it. And she walks away and she... Uh, she just... Yeah, she does relay the text to the, to the group. You peer Fuck. over a cat. The fledgling's cat. gonna meet the prince. Okay. Cat, you're gonna get a baptism of fire. Forget what I said about picking up things. We'll handle that later. Okay. Yeah, things uh, are about to get very, very, very uh, interesting. If anyone asks, you're a new Anarch that we're showing the ropes to as part of Sam's tutelage. Okay, in Anarch. Okay. Yeah, you work for Sam. That's very important, okay? You are an anarch. For okay. now, anyways. We can switch it later, but for now, it's easy if you do that. Don't fuck that one up, okay? Things are about to oh. get interesting. I'll do my best. Oh, and uh, okay. we'll leave the red. We'll drop the red haired lady off in an alley and call the cops to, you know, say. On the way can you call the, the cops and say, hey, uh,. Past a lady in an alley. Should be I think she's in trouble. Yeah. Eleven thirty at night. You have a fledgling who's just experienced the worst night of their life, and now you have to meet the prince. Something's going down, and that's where we'll leave it for tonight.